entrepreneurs and business owners have been uh, taught we're supposed to pay attention to is that that we live in this static world and our static business is either going to be a good business and be successful or it's going to fail. And the answer, the, the, my response to that is, that's a bunch of BS. What happens is your daily choices, what you do every day with that business, what you do every day with your employees, what you do every day, every week, every month, what you're doing consistently, how open are you to pivoting and changing and bobbing and weaving, right? You should be doing that even when times are good because if you're not, you're not operating optimally. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, John. John, thank you so much for being here with us today. You're welcome. Good to be here. Always having fun with this. Excellent. So give us a highlight of who you are and what you do for business. Uh, my name is John Berger. I am a uh, uh, I own a registered investment advisory and business consulting firm, uh, kind of an odd mix. Maybe we'll get into why that is, but uh, yeah. here in California, uh, I'm a, primarily, I call myself a business coach and a wealth coach for business owners and entrepreneurs. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've been at, I don't know, six, seven, eight businesses that I've created over the years. Um, some have been wonderfully successful. Others have been wonderful learning experiences. Uh, but all along the way, I try to remember what I'm doing. And I think the big thing that I do and bring to the table that uh, a lot of folks in my space may not be uh, great at is I understand the finances. I'm, I'm a finance nerd and a certified financial planner professional. But I also understand that most people don't live in that space. And I'm pretty good about communicating about, with clients about What's, what's going on here? What are these numbers actually telling you that is actionable for you so you don't have to spend all of your life and energy trying to figure out stuff that may not be your wheelhouse? Nice. I love it. So it has always been kind of a fascination to me that um, people want to make money in their business, but they don't know how to deal with money in their business. <laughs> So it's like, so we will touch on those and what the difference is there, what people need to know. But let's kind of back up the bus a little bit um, and talk about how you, how did you get into kind of the financing of things and the business coaching and the strategies? Because I do find it as a fascinating triplicate of choice, if you will. Yeah. So, you know, it's an evolution, right? Everything in life kind of evolves. Um, I actually, out of college, I was an economics major in college and out of college, I spent 12 years in radio broadcasting and I really had a lot of fun with that. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It doesn't pay very well. Um, and I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit. I actually created a couple of small businesses before I even got out of college. And so, um, as time's progressing and I'm realizing that my professionally chosen career wasn't really... Uh, resonating with the bank book uh, all that much. Um, and I was in a position where a job that I was at, a radio station I was at was uh, selling out and I knew I was going to be out of a job. I said, well, you know, what can we do here? At that point, I had met my wife. We were living here in uh, Central California. And I said, well, uh, I always wanted to own a business. And so I started looking around for businesses to buy, uh, businesses to buy and, and manage. And we ended up buying a small uh, retail picture framer, custom picture framing store, and uh, was really successful with that. One store turned into two within a year. Uh, revenues were climbing nicely. It was really great fun. 
um, and I was getting to exercise all the principles that I'd learned over the years. And when you're, you know, when you're a business owner, you kind of hang out with other business owners. It just, it is what it is. Um, and so we would be sitting around on Friday mornings having coffee and donuts, and they keep asking me these questions. Well, John, what do you do in this situation? What are you doing in that situation? And after about a year and a half or two years of doing this and giving it away for free, I, you know, like, maybe I should be charging for this. So the next step of that, and this is talking about uh, just before the turn of the century, um, I started uh, actually putting a shingle out and providing business consulting services um, and established the Altus brand at that point. Um, and then uh, that just continued to evolve. I, I had a financial planner came in my uh, office one day and wanted to sell me on becoming my financial planner. Uh, and uh, what I liked about it was what he was communicating. And again, this is my wheelhouse is taking financial information and actually having it make sense to other people. It's like, wait a minute, I could do that. I don't want you to be my planner, but I could do that. And it would be really great for my business coaching clients, right? Here we have business owners and entrepreneurs. They've got a boatload of money running through their fingers and they have no idea what to do with it or how to manage it and how to make, make it work for them. So then that was the foray into certified financial planner. I did the studies for that, got the certification in 2005, um, and have just continued to evolve my practice, going back and forth between personal financial planning and business coaching and business consulting. But it's really the business coaching that I love the most. It's the, I just, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I resonate with other entrepreneurs and business owners. We have fun together. I just, I just like spending time with them. And if I'm going to select my clients, that's who I want to spend my time with. And then providing them whatever I, services that I have in my wheelhouse, and those are financial analytics, kind of like a fractional CFO or financial planning and analysis for small businesses, as well as personal financial planning for those business owners. Because if they were to go to a regular financial planner, and that person's going to be saying, well, you know, put your money in stocks and bonds. Most business owners almost all their wealth is in their business. So we want to make sure we're not just telling them to do something that that's not in your wheelhouse, do this. Let's make that business be a really profitable venture for you. So that's the evolution of it. Nice. I love it. And we will definitely talk about the investment side of things once, once you've acquired <laughs> that wealth. But in the meanwhile, what kind of numbers are important to you in a business that every entrepreneur should kind of know or understand, have their <laughs> thumb on the pulse of, in order to sure. be able to create a more successful business? So uh, most important, and whether it's business or actually in personal life, the most important numbers to keep in mind are cash flow, right? Money coming in, money going out. Uh, ideally, more money coming in than is going out. Because if you go in the other direction, doesn't whatever you have doesn't last very long, right? It's just <laughs> right. So it, and it's really simple, right? So money coming in versus money going out. Um, ideally, we want to be looking at trends, trends over the last uh, several months, trends year over year for the same time period, whether mm -hmm. that's gross sales, uh, whether that's profitability, whether that is. Uh, and those are probably the two biggest metrics and the easiest to track, right? No matter what you're doing. You kind of know how much money you're spending. You know how much money you're bringing in. We want the sales to be increasing. And ideally, more of every one of those dollars sh should be going into something 
at least getting past the first round of expenses so it can either be used to be invested back into the business or be used just to support the owner because after all that's one of the reasons why you own the business um and honestly i mean there's lots of other things you could pay attention to but if you have a mechanism by which you're looking at those numbers on a regular basis in a framework that is non-punitive so that is no pain no shame no sacrifice no good bad paradigm get rid of all that stuff just say hey you know what are these numbers moving in the right direction or are they kind of going the wrong way and if they're going the wrong way why what is it that's causing us to have a decrease in our sales what is it that's causing a decrease in our profitability and then start addressing those issues but that's the metric if that dashboard's in front of you and you're looking at it every day it starts to make sense as far as i made these decisions and this is happening uh, or i made these decisions and that's not so good thing is happening and most of us have uh <laughs> i would hope uh, have a pretty easy time saying okay the markets changed, the seasons shifted, depending on the, the occupation somebody has, right? Obviously, if they're into mm -hmm. landscaping, they're going to have booms in the summer. And if they're, you know, if they decide to go into snow removal, then, you know, obviously more profitable in the northern areas rather than Florida. Um, yeah. Like the, their seasonal work, we go, okay, it's seasonal work. At what point does somebody that has maybe seasonal work need to look at, okay, the trends aren't just kind of month to month because that's not going to give you the reading you need. And year to year is probably not giving you enough um, variance, I want to say, to go, you know, do I have any <laughs> month left yeah. at the end of the money kind of thing or any year left at the end of the money? What other things can they be looking at to go, okay, how do we kind of um, even out the numbers and distribute them so that we're comparing apples to apples and not just kind of wondering whether or not there's enough at the end of the year. So I, I like shorter periods, but on year over year basis. So mm -hmm. uh, last three months, right? Uh, or let's just say that, yeah, so the last three months, so the month ending in April, since that's the last month we had to the end it, the, pre the previous three months. So it's February, March, and April. How does that mm -hmm. look compared to February, March, and April of last year? And if you have two years, compared to February, March, and April of the year before. Because those year-over-year -year numbers are going to give you a much better sense of, uh, from a long-term standpoint, whether or not what you're doing is working. And you can start to identify uh, other fissures. Month-over-month -month still is going to give you some sense of it. And you can even dial those numbers in based on, well, you know, the instead of exactly 8 point whatever percent of it is, per month is of revenue. Uh, this month is always a 15% of annual revenue is always in this month. How did mm -hmm. I do, how do, how are we doing with that? Is that, and you can actually adjust those numbers fairly easily so that what you're looking at is uh, a, a more balanced picture of it. Um, uh, in the economic world, you know, they have all kinds of ways of adjusting or weighting months, monthly data. And I tend to even get even more granular than that. Sometimes I just like to look at uh, weekly data over the same time period, especially in, um, you, can always, you can always say, well, I'm a gardener and this year we had rain in April and last year we didn't. 
Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I really tend to find that it's just more paying attention to it rather than what I see a lot of folks do is they go, it's too complicated, I can't track it, or it feels punitive, or I feel like I'm bad because I, my numbers aren't doing what they're supposed to do, and my KPIs, and everybody says you're supposed to pay attention to this, right? Just get off that hi-hat and let's just kind of start thinking about, you know your business, you know it better than anybody, and then have somebody help you and coach you just to ask you the right questions. So you're asking, starting to ask yourself the right questions and those questions almost never are good, bad paradigm. It's more like, do I want to make an adjustment? Do I feel like an adjustment really needs to be made here? And I'm starting to get data rather than just like, gosh, it feels really bad right now. Why? Why does it feel really bad? What? Get some numbers and data that sort of back that up. And if the numbers are saying everything's good and you feel bad, maybe there's something psychological going on there that you might want to be paying attention to. So are there, what kind of companies, let's say the last three years, that wouldn't just go, oh yeah, there we were in a lockdown. Oh yeah, it opened up. Oh yeah, it. <laughs> sure. Are, are there really any companies that can look over the last three years and not just go, and eh, that's why, and, and actually have to look at the numbers and go, okay, so how many people had we hired? What were the profitabilities? What were delivery charges? Like, there, there's been such mayhem. <laughs> I would been. think that that has contributed to more of the, there's no point in looking at the numbers because it was mayhem as opposed to, oh, it's, you know, how am I going to tell the difference? So my, uh, my perspective on that is that mayhem, while it was definitely more pronounced in the last three years, three years. always exists. <laughs> Previous to that. Okay. Totally. Yeah. I'm with you. Totally. All right. So, <laughs> and, and this is one of the, I think one of the fallacies of business ownership that mm -hmm. even entrepreneurs and business owners have been uh, taught we're supposed to pay attention to is that that we live in this static world and our static business is either going to be a good business and be successful or it's going to fail. And the answer, mm -hmm. the, the, my response to that is that's a bunch of BS. What happens is your daily choices, what you do every day with that business what you do every day with your employees, what you do every day, every week, every month, what you're doing consistently, how open are you to pivoting and changing and bobbing and weaving, right? You should be doing that even when times are good because if you're not, you're not operating optimally. You can go from a, when the, when the what is it? They say the rising tide floats all boats, right? Yep. So if you're in a market where the economy is humming along and we're seeing GDP growth of five and 6%, like that's going to happen sometime in the next 30 years, I don't think. But <laughs> even if it was happening- It will, right? it will. It will, yep. yeah, we can always hope. <laughs> uh, and I have, actually have a sidebar on that one too. But if even if you're in a great environment, it doesn't mm -hmm. mean you can't take advantage of that environment even more so and right and and i think yeah. that's the fallacy that we've been well it, it was a good it was, there were good times so that's why we did good all right mm -hmm. fine you should have done better sure but did you do everything you could have done that could have made it even better and so this is the thing and i'm and i have clients right now we're talking right now about there's going to be an economic slowdown and that's the kindest way I can phrase it. <laughs> Put it. Okay, so let's assume that let's assume that somebody's in a kind of boom time right now, and and there's also another fascinating paramount that we think that as soon as there's a boom, it's always going to be this way. 
And oh, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, that there are there's reason that's called you know boom and bust and barren bulb markets because they exist. So what can somebody do during a uh, a bull market? So say their business is booming, everything is going in the right direction, everything's open up, yay! People are spending again, yay! This is awesome. What can I look at in my business to go? Okay, let's assume this lasts a year. What changes would I make? Assume this lasts six months. What changes would I make? What kind of things should they be looking at if they're going to do that kind of analysis on the business so, in order to prepare for those? Sure. So the I think it's a question that they should ask, and the question they should be asking of themselves is, if the economy were to take a uh, a major dump, how would I? How should I respond? What would be a good, effective response to that? What opportunities would be taking place in that? Um, mm -hmm. And you know, we're—I think we're probably six months out before we'll have whatever recession starting that we're going to have, and that's just based on some economic analysis. Um, and it may be even longer than that. Um, you know, this is the most anticipated recession that we so far haven't had yet. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, I'm kind of liking that. <laughs> but we know it's coming. And yeah. I, I, I look at the data and to me, it's just like, no, it's coming. It's just you want to be ready for it. So in the event that the economy does go the other direction and that's and part of it is just that realization. Hey, look, it looks great right now. Everything feels wonderful. And I know you're really busy. And I know you have all these other things that are clawing for your attention. And it just, you still got to get step back and be strategic and intentional about what does the next year look like? What's the next three years going to look like? How would I manage a risk if it were to happen? And even if it never happens, knowing how you would manage it is way different than walk, going really, really nilly through the next three years and just hoping and, and whatever hits me in the face, I, I guess I'll figure it out, right? The mm -hmm. Strategic and intentional behavior. And then going back to the business and saying, every day, what can we do every day that, that cements the highest probability that we will be ready for whatever could happen going mm -hmm. forward? And are there any areas that you find particularly of benefit to look at, whether it's, hey, we want to focus on marketing and really make sure that that's honed in on, or is it sales, or is it operations, or is it cutting expenses? Is there kind of a, um, is, is there a place that has typically has the most opportunity, or does it totally depend on the business and the owner? It kind of depends on the business and the owner. I think there's some things that are more important to be thinking about doing now just because of the lag times associated with them. And especially think about marketing, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think folks believe that if I do some advertising for three weeks or four weeks and I throw a bunch of money at it, I'm going to have all of a sudden have a lot of business. And it doesn't work that way, right? We all know that we build a name for ourselves. We build, uh, we build our marketing presence over months, years, right? So the time to start planting the seeds so your marketing can be successful, um, even coming out of a recession two years from now, the time to plant those seeds is now. The time to be communicating with people even about what you're doing is now and building what does that strategy look like so it's already functioning. Um, so I think that's one that one should do sooner than later especially in anticipation for a recession. 
because you're going to want to be putting messages out uh, that are counter to all the messages that everybody's getting uh, when it's recessionary, right? And if you're joining in the chorus of woe is me, woe is us, right? Everything sucks. They're not going to come by from you, they're, right? But if you're out there, all of a sudden, you're so far ahead of the curve, you're going, yeah, we knew this was coming and we've got some really great things that are wonderful opportunities for you now that things are sucky, uh, you know, even even construction or whatever. Hey, we're available. I've got construction uh, crews that are, are getting ready to say, you know, one of the advantages to being where we are right now, you call us up, we'll be there. To, we'll be able to start the job on Monday and have it done for you by Thursday. How about that? There will always be a market for that. And it's just changing the narrative relative to and in anticipation of what's coming down the pipe as opposed to reacting to what already happened, you know, last week, last month or whatever. Nice. I love that. Well, and I do think it's prudently important to be able to get another opinion on things and be able to see the opportunity that lies ahead. Because regardless of whether or not it's a bull or bear market, if you want to put it that way, there's always opportunity there. Mm -hmm. That's the way it works. I know. And, and it's really hard to see sometimes in your own. I know. And I've created, as I said, I've done a number of businesses and I've created businesses that succeeded. That picture framing business, I yep. bought it in 1993. And we were in the midst of a, a really not very good recession in here in California in the, over the next couple of years. And I cut my teeth in that. And we went from one store to two stores by 1994. So I, you can do it. Every business can either succeed or fail in whatever environment they're in. It's just whether or not they choose to do that. Yes, tough environments make it more difficult to succeed. Easy environments make it a lot easier for anybody, no matter how sheer dumb luck it is, to be successful. But are they really successful? Are they really putting their thinking caps on? Are they really good business owners? I, I tend to, to say, all right, well, yeah, you got the rising tide. Wonderful for you. Now, what are you really going to do with it? If everybody else is going up by 25%, you're only going up by 15. <laughs> Why yeah. that is? But I'm successful. I'm making 15% every year. This is great. We're growing like a weed. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. I love it. So when it comes to your business, what would you say is your favorite part of your business? Working with people, working with the clients. Um, we get occasional aha moments uh, where it's like, I'll drop a seed. They probably won't respond to the seed that I've dropped. And then three, four weeks later, or, you know, two or three meetings later, all of a sudden they're saying, well, you know, I was thinking I really should do is I really should uh, go back and look at what our marketing narrative is. What is our message right now? <laughs> what are we saying? It's like, pretty sure I have it in my notes that we, I talked about that about, uh, you know, two months ago, but that's okay. You know, I, I, and I, I just, I like the subtlety of providing guidance, providing coaching, encouraging people to be the best that they can be and watching them blossom and own it, own Love that it. their successes. It's like, you know, I don't ever want somebody to thank me for what I do because I get all the thanks when they do what, what's in their best interest. I love it. So can you give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients? Hmm. 
Wow, that's a tough question. Cinderella story. Without it, releasing too much information, too. Um, we'll call her Bob. <laughs> <laughs> call her Bob. Um, I don't need all the details. Yeah, so uh, I think the... Uh, let me give me a second to to uh, yeah. uh, wind that one up in my brain because I've I have several mm -hmm. that have been uh, meaningfully successful over long periods of time, and mm -hmm. uh, those those uh, we just came out of the box things don't always happen uh, as kindly or Cinderella story, but being in the right place at the right time, um, I had I had a dentist that that was. Uh, really methodical about what their process was but they were not very methodical about telling people about what that process was and what was different about it and how that would make them be more successful and we spent a lot of time talking about their narrative the i call it a marketing message makeover and finding keywords where the experience that this person was creating was incredible and he just did it because that was the kind of guy he was. He just said, I, I, I don't like the experience that dentists have. And I can, I can really relate to that, right? Most of the time you'd go to the dentist, it's like, I don't want to go unless I absolutely cannot sleep without going uh -huh. to see them, right? So, he, but his experience was, you're going to come in, it's just going to be a completely different experience from start to finish, how you're greeted, every little thing was thought through and done in a way and delivered in a way that you might almost expect from a Nordstrom's. And, and that was one of the things we talked about. It's like, you know, you have like the Nordstrom's approach to, to dental practice and teaching and helping your clients. And he said, oh, I just, I just can't stand the way that people do it. It's like, great. So let's communicate that. And his business was growing. He was doing fine. Um, and he would get people would come in and they would stay right and then they would tell their friends and but it was growing it was naturally organically growing but i don't think it was beating whatever the market was uh at the time in that economy and so we just kept i just kept driving in it's like really really focus on what you're saying to people when you're saying it and how you're saying it and some kind of light bulb went off a, a few months after we were having that and he tried a couple of different uh, marketing techniques and one day I'll, I'll never forget he was like he comes into uh, we're having our meeting and in those days he actually came into my office and we're having the meeting and he goes you know I I never realized how much people actually pay attention when you're doing marketing when you're talking to them I had this person came in and they were practically crying and they hadn't even gotten into the chair. It was just such a wonderful experience. And they were, they had been in such pain for all this time in their lives. And it's basically because they were ignoring it and they came in, they, they really appreciated, I can't remember her name, like Sheila, who was the, the front office person who was really the trigger for it. And he goes, and it was just like, it was so, so such a different approach to me. And it was like, and at the end she gave me a hug. And this guy is not the kind of guy that he's like, like she gave me a hug and I didn't know what to do with it. But I, it, it was just really wonderful to see that. And then the business just went pop. 
And he was uh, within months, he's like, I need to open another place. I need to get a whole another round of, of people. <clears throat> and then we were talking about, well, how do you replicate that, right? You have one office, you got one person who's doing it. How do you do it again? How do you consistently do that in multiple locations, uh, which is was even more fun than than just helping him to get over himself and get beyond and realize what he had already brought to the table. And I just didn't think he knew it. I just think he did it because it served him. And I think that's what a lot of business owners do. It's like, why, why do we create the business? Well, we create the business to solve one of our problems. And then we find out other people have the problem, so then we share it. But that was all he did. He's just created because he, he hated what the dental industry had created in the way of an experience and he created one that he liked um and then he just didn't tell anybody else about it for for the longest time <laughs> Dude, i love it you so gotta get it what are, what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having in their business right now and they're thinking oh my god john i need you to come in here and help me with this <laughs> well I, I think the biggest stumbling block everybody has is is bandwidth especially when you're a business owner right you've you just been pulled in so many directions and you're trying to understand things that may not be in your wheelhouse but you know you have to understand them and and i think it's it's knowing where the resources are to find the answers that you're looking for and do so in a way there you don't waste huge amounts of time uh listening to 15 different approaches to something and then saying well i think my approach is going to be this but it's an uninformed decision because you just basically heard 15 different inputs and those people are all really good, but they may have something to sell. They may, they may be trying to get you onto a program that they do versus somebody else does. And, and this is the hard thing because basically that's what I'm doing too, right? I'm talking about, well, I have my program and this is what it, uh, what it is. But I try, to, I try to communicate with clients that, with clients, is that what I'm here to do is to help you parse through all that and try to figure out which things you want to pay attention to, which ones you can delegate to someone else to pay attention to, and which things aren't really important to pay attention to. And we're just going to put them off into a box and just make sure that we're monitoring them for uh, in case there's a, a fire comes up out of that. It's, I love it. And it's so true. It becomes when people try to find the answers they're looking for and they're doing that, they often stay on a shallow level and they become more confused than <laughs> resolved yes, because of it. True. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start their journey with you? The best place would be the, the website. It's Altus Wealth. That's A-L-T-U-S. It's a Latin word, means view from above. AltusWealth.com. Um, that's the best one for right now. We have a couple of other websites. We're reconfiguring the work that I do and trying to re really go back and refocus on the business coaching. Um, as I said, I, 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 another aspect of being an entrepreneur is that um, uh, I tend to uh, be easily distracted. Uh, so it's like, twirl. What? No way. <laughs> twirl. Ooh, this sounds like fun. Look, go that way. Um, and because of that, uh, I, I move back and forth between the, the three primary things that I do investment management, personal financial planning, and business coaching. Um, and as such, my website is sort of a hodgepodge of all these things. So we're trying to work on, we're working right now on clarifying my narrative and making sure that the people who want to find me for this particular aspect of it have a place that they can go. But right now, start at altuswealth.com. Uh, feel free to schedule a 15-minute free consult. You can do it right from the website. 
just peer around, you get a good sense of, of uh, my approach to a lot of different kinds of issues, uh, whether, but they're all built on, on finance. And um, yeah, and more and more uh, materials, contents being put up there over the next several months as we're reinvigorating the focus of what I'm trying to get out there. Nice. I love it. Well, and as I promised earlier, I would discuss the once you've made money in your business and mm -hmm. keeping it and investing it, <laughs> then do you work with people on that aspect as well? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, and especially business owners and entrepreneurs, the first thing we're going to look at is, is there a way for you to invest in your business that's going to get you a better rate of return than you could get anywhere else? Why? Because you know that you know that space better than anybody. And uh, it is potentially possible. Look, in, in a really good stock market, and by the way, in the stock market, you have no control, right? It could be a good market. It could be a bad market. It's the rising tide or the falling tide, right? We, it, it's that sheer dumb to luck. Today, that could apply to tomorrow. <laughs> right. It's it's just sheer dumb luck. And if, if you capture the, the stock market with a well-diversified portfolio at um, at a trough and it goes up from there for 10, 15 years as it did in 2009-10, you're going to think you're a brilliant investor. But truth is, you just happen to get on the wave at the right time. If you uh, had gotten on that wave in, uh, let's say, late 2006, early 2007, or maybe December of 2021, right before when this last year. When everybody's screaming, bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, right? <laughs> and if you got on that one and then you ride the roller coaster down, you're going to say, I'm a really stupid investor. And really, all you are is you just got on the ride at the wrong time, yeah. right? So uh, and I tend to find your business, when you invest in it uh, intelligently and strategically, has a much higher probability of delivering a much higher rate of return for that investment than some kind of portfolio or stock. Now that said, having all your eggs in one basket, not such a great idea either. So there is some diversification. We want to make sure that it gets covered. And along those lines, um, that is where the area that like the investment management work that I do and the work that I do is associated with when the markets are doing well, we're going to ride that tactically. We're just going to look like a regular old buy and hold investment manager. But when the markets are not doing well, as they did in 2022, we're not going to be holding stocks just because that's what everybody says you're supposed to do. Buy and hold for the future. It's like, yes, but the math actually says that buy and hold for the future is better than being tactical as long as you have at least 30 years that you can stay holding 30 years. If you only have 12 years right now, the math would suggest the likelihood if you do a buy and hold right now, you're going to get a 0% rate of return on a well-balanced portfolio over the next 12 years. That's before inflation. Yahoo! And on that happy note, go <laughs> to your website again and, uh, and um, yeah, how people sure. can get all the so my website again is altuswealth, A-L-T-U-S, wealth.com. And seriously, that's the best way to start. All the connections are there. You can set up a consult. Their phone number is there. You can send me an email. Um, I, I just set, go to the website, check it out. It's, it's me. Nice. Love it. So I get to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you're a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? <laughs> oh, well, so I was, I was an entrepreneur. My first business was, I was 15, 16. 
but the first time I actually believed that I, you know, uh, I wanted to go out and do it um, was that time in 1993. So that was when I was in my early 30s. It's like, no, I can do this. I, 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 I'm willing to jump off the cliff and just rely on myself and not have a W-2 job, much to my oh. wife's chagrin. I love it. John, you've been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps? You know, pay attention. Try to pay attention to whatever it is you're doing. Uh, be strategic and intentional. I strongly believe that thinking about things, thinking about things in advance is really helpful. Uh, whether you do it with me or you do it with another professional, it always is nice to have somebody to uh, sounding sound some of this stuff off of. That third-party perspective is really helpful. But the most important thing is be kind to yourself, believe in yourself, and if you're paying attention, do so in a way that doesn't make you feel bad about paying attention because it's the paying attention that matters. Love it. Thank you so much for your time. Sure. I appreciate it, and I know how valuable it is. Take care. Awesome. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.